Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This podcast may contain, but is not limited to, strong language, sexual content, violence, and death. This podcast may not be suitable for listeners under 18. Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Crystal. Welcome Welcome to to Crime Crime Night. Night. We would like to wish everybody who celebrates a early happy Halloween. Tonight's episode is about Timothy O'Brien. He was murdered on Halloween in 1974. Timothy Mark O'Brien was born on April 5th, 1966 in Deer Park, Texas. His parents were Danine and Ronald Clark O'Brien. Now, Ronald was a kind of a big guy, but very soft-spoken. Um, he was a deacon at the Second Baptist Church where he had sang in the choir. And he was also in charge of the local bus program. Now, Timothy had a younger sister named Elizabeth, and she was three years younger than him. And Timothy was your typical eight-year-old little boy. On October 31st of 1974, despite the rain, 30-year-old Ronald took his children, eight-year-old Timothy and five-year-old Elizabeth, trick-or-treating. They went with one of Ronald's friends, and they actually went trick-or-treating in Ronald's friend's neighborhood as he lived in a nicer neighborhood. So they went there to get, you know, possibly better, better candy. candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing that as a kid. And yeah, I remember. I think, yeah. Everybody does. You know, you know the neighborhoods to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Who gives out the, the full-size candy? candy bars? And and we used to get, there's some houses that would give us like hands of pop and mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. We've had that Yeah. Before, yeah. yeah. We didn't have like juice boxes and stuff like that back in the day, but I mean, there was probably some that I think gave out that kind of stuff when you guys were little and trick or treating. Yeah, sometimes they give out like the little tiny, mm-hmm. the little kid soda cans. Yeah. When they went trick or treating, Timothy was dressed in a Planet of the Apes costume, which was a movie that was released only a month and a half prior to Halloween on Friday the thirteenth in September. At one point, the kids visited a house that the occupants were not there or they weren't answering the door, maybe due to them not participating in Halloween. Now, with the kids being impatient, they want to run ahead to go to the next house. So Jim took the kids to the along to the next house and Ronald stayed back to see if the person was going to answer the door. Which so, is kind of strange, considering yeah. that like the nat national sign of not participating in Halloween is that you have your lights off. Right, and nobody's answering. So you're either yeah. not home or you're not participating. Yeah, we didn't even go up to houses that would have their yeah, lights off. Yeah, most kids because just passed by. Yeah, that would indicate that they're not there or they're not participating or whatnot. Yeah, that's wasting your time. You could be on along to the next house already and exactly. got candy. Yes, mm-hmm. so that way you can make round two. Mm-hmm. Round two? Oh, Lord. Go back to the house that had the good. (laughs) Yeah, but they've already seen you once. They're not going to give you it twice, are they? Or did they? Yeah, at the end of the night, they would, they're trying to get rid of the candy. So if you go back at the end of the night, they're just trying to get rid of everything. I remember when I was a kid, little side note, when I was a kid, we would have trick or treating for two days. So, like, we'd have, we would have like this big Halloween parade at school. And then after that, when the parade was over, I mean, we lived close to school, so we walked to and from school. We would go trick-or-treating to those houses on our way home. And then the next day, when it was Halloween, we would go 
out again. But we went like for a longer period of time. I mean, it was like we were gone for hours. Yeah, I think even when I was a kid, trick or treating, it was longer hours than it is today. Now yeah. it's like very, it's very like three short. hours, I think, or something, three or four, yeah. maybe. And it used to be, if I remember correctly, I think we used to trick or treat later on, so it was like dark. Now yeah. you're home by the time it's yeah, dark, it was like which, till ten o'clock, I think. Mm-hmm. It used which to I'm be. sure it's a safety thing. You know, you don't want kids running around on the streets in the when it's dark out, and, right? You yeah. know, mostly black costumes. Yeah, so get, easily get run over. Mm-hmm. Somebody doesn't see, especially if it's a rainy night, and the yeah. kids are running around across the street mm-hmm. trying to get to the next house because you know they're everybody's excited for Halloween. I mean, that's like my favorite, always been my favorite holiday. Yeah. Just reiterating that the kids did run ahead and Ronald stayed back. Um, he claimed that somebody actually opened the door just enough to stick their hand out. And hand him five pixie sticks. Um, there were 21 inch long pixie sticks. So that was pretty long. Mm-hmm. Now, if you guys don't know what pixie sticks are. Because I know some places, some countries don't have pixie sticks or know what they are. But they're these long tubes of basically flavored sugar. Yeah. Very healthy. <laughs> so, pure sugar. <laughs> it's basically what it is. This is almost two feet of a tube sugar. of sugar. <laughs> So the stranger reached out the door and gave him these pixie sticks, which nobody else got because the house was dark, so nobody else probably went to it. Well, he finally caught up with Jim and the kids and said, hey, you know, I got these five pixie sticks from that house that nobody answered at. And he gave one to each of them, and he had one left. So the fifth one he actually gave to a 10-year-old boy that he remembered, you know, from church. So a kid he recognized from church, he's like, here, I have an extra candy. I'll go ahead and give you this candy. So he passed out the five of the pixie sticks. Before going to bed, Timothy asked to eat some of the candy, as most children oh, do. Yeah. yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have at least before one bed. before bed. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. So he supposedly, according to Ronald, chose the pixie stick. So Ronald had to help him because Timothy had trouble getting the powder out of the stick. And so he had to loosen the powder for him, which is strange because pixie sticks, it's it's just like basically sand, like material. Right, right. And Until you get it wet, it's not going to clump yeah. on the end. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to clump on the end after you get it get wet. It wet. But, but when you first that, open it, it, it shouldn't be. easily. Yeah. Yes. So, so that should have been a a, clue a red right flag. There. Yes. But he's, mm-hmm. he's a little kid. He's not going to think that, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, but as the parent. So after Timothy tasted the candy, he said that it tasted bitter and gross. So Ronald actually gave him some Kool-Aid to wash down the bad taste. So he didn't actually eat the whole pixie stick. He only had just a little bit, like enough to taste it. So immediately after drinking the Kool-Aid, Timothy began to feel sick. He complained that his stomach hurt. Um, He ran to the bathroom. He started throwing up. At one point, Ronald went in there and kind of held him in his arms. And Timothy just all of a sudden became limp in his arms. So he ended up calling 911. Unfortunately, Timothy died en route to the hospital. So within one hour from consuming the candy... He was dead. As Timothy's death was suspicious, a detective was assigned to investigate. And the detective that was assigned was Detective Bill Lanier. And he was new 
detective. He had only been a detective for less than a year, so he didn't have a lot of experience. And this was actually his first murder investigation. So when speaking you know, with the family, because obviously when something happens, you speak to the family first. And after speaking to the family, he actually noticed that Ronald was not crying over his son's death. But as people react differently, you can't really yeah. say that that's suspicious. And they didn't suspect Ronald at this point either. When they did an autopsy on Timothy, they actually found that he had died from a fatal dose of potassium cyanide poisoning. After Timothy died from the poisoned Halloween candy, the community became very concerned with their own children. And they were actually um, numerous, um, numerous parents in Deer Park, Texas, and the surrounding areas actually had their children's trick-or-treat candies um, taken to the police department so that they can have them inspected by them. And some of them just completely threw out the candy altogether just to be on the safe side, just because you don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, word gets around small towns fast, so. Yes, at that point, you could just go to the store and buy candy for your kid. Mm -hmm. And then you'll know that they're safe. Yeah. Now, the potassium cyanide was actually traced back to the pixie sticks that Timothy had eaten, which is very ironic because those were the same pixie sticks that his father produced from the unoccupied home. Now, four out of the five pixie sticks that Ronald had given the children were actually recovered. So after the police notified the parents of the child that Ronald gave the other pixie stick to, the parents became very frantic because they could not find the pixie stick in the child's candy stash. So they were running around and they were trying to find to you know locate the child first. And then they realized, okay, he's probably in bed. So they ran upstairs. They found him laying in bed, holding onto the pixie stick. And thank goodness he couldn't get it open because of the staple that was in there. He was actually unable to open it. So he was in bed with the unconsumed pixie stick. So luckily, no other child had eaten the candy, only Timothy. After they inspected the five pixie sticks that they now had, they found that they had all had the top two inches filled with cyanide poisoning instead of the typical pixie stick um, flavoring that would have been in there. So somebody had to have dumped out the top two and then folded it and used the staple to reseal the packaging two inches is a lot that's a lot yes. to be putting in those tubes because they're pretty mm -hmm. round too mm -hmm. when you get those big ones they're pretty round yeah mm -hmm. and it was discovered that the pixie stick that timothy ate had enough potassium cyanide to kill two adults and the other four sticks actually had enough to kill three to four adults that's so crazy. he had the one with the least amount, but it's still, you know, well, not to kill well adults. Than, well, than more than enough to. Yeah, way, way Ooh. more than enough to kill a child if it could kill multiple adults. Mm -hmm. Ronald initially told the police that he could not remember which house they got the pixie sticks from. Now, the police were suspicious of Ronald um, that he only took the children to like two streets of houses. So and that's not that many houses to go to. And he couldn't remember what house 
gave out the pixie sticks. So now suspicious only increased with this because the police learned that none of the houses that they visited actually gave out the pixie sticks. So it was only the house that was unoccupied that he said somebody opened the door and gave him the pixie sticks. So now this is starting to snowball on him. The police are now becoming very suspicious of him at this point. Ronald actually walked the police around the neighborhood where they went trick-or-treating. So it was just those two streets that he took the police on. And they went up and down several times. And finally, he pointed out the house that was unoccupied and said, this is where I got the pixie sticks from. When Ronald was questioned, he told police that the homeowner had left the lights off, cracked the door open just enough to stick his hand out the door to hand him the pixie sticks, which is very kind of creepy. Yeah, that's quite sketchy. Okay, why yes. would you even take the pixie sticks at that point? I would be like, um, no, this is a little too too creepy. I wouldn't have yeah. even waited at the house because no. if they have the lights on, I wouldn't have even gone. I don't even know why they waited there. I don't know why they even went there in the first place because the lights are out. That's, <laughs> once again, the universal sign that nobody's handing out candy. So go on to the next house. So the only thing that Ronald remembered and could describe is that the arm that was stuck out the door was a hairy arm. So a gentleman's arm is usually more hairier than a female's mm -hmm. arm. So it was a male that would have passed out the pixie sticks to them yeah so the police were you know becoming quite suspicious of ronald at this time when they initially didn't really suspect anything now things are kind of looking a little sketchy on his part here yeah and when they actually found the homeowner he was a man named courtney melvin and he was actually an air traffic controller who did not get home until 11 p.m on halloween night so much later than they would have been at the house so there's no way that he that would he... have been there police were able to rule him out because about 200 people were able to verify mm -hmm. that he was at work so mm -hmm. it was it was clear that you know he was not the person that was at mm -hmm. this house he was definitely you know at his job at that time mm -hmm. As the investigation progressed, police learned that Ronald had financial issues. He was in debt over $100,000, which today is equal to $550,000. So that's, that's a lot of debt. It's a hefty debt. Mm -hmm. uh, Ronald also had trouble holding a job. In the last 10 years, he had 21 jobs. That that's is a lot. That's I've, more than two jobs a year. I've had one job for 23 years. Yeah, one for... 15 other than like little like side yeah, jobs and other side jobs and whatnot but yeah. yeah ronald was also suspected of theft at his current job and was pretty much close to being fired from that job because of the theft his car was about to be repossessed um he also had several bank loans that he had defaulted on and the house was also in foreclosure so he had a lot going on so i wonder if his wife actually knew the extent of this yeah who knows you see a lot of times where they'll be in debt and and the one spouse just doesn't know has no clue what's right. going on police discovered that ronald had actually taken out life insurance policies on both of his children in january so the policies were actually ten thousand dollars each which would be closer to fifty five thousand 
today. Which is a lot. I mean, back then, I mean, not, you didn't really take out life insurance policy on your children. So that, that seems like a lot. Also, one month before Timothy's death, he actually took out an additional $20,000 policy on each child, despite objections from his life insurance agency. Clearly, that was something that was flagged, you know, to them mm -hmm. as this is very strange. Like, people don't tend to take that much out on their children, especially you know, somebody who's not holding a job and is in a lot of financial right. debt. Right. He's, he's already in debt, you know, by a lot. And he's now adding on to his monthly bills. I mean, that's mm -hmm. usually when you're in debt like that, you need to try to cut back. Yeah. You try and see what you could cut out, not, yeah, let's not add, add things. Yeah. There was another report of him possibly mm -hmm. taking out an additional 20000 per child, but I can't confirm that. So it could have been more than... Than the initial that they thought so it could have been more like fifty thousand each and police also learned that ronald actually called his life insurance policy at 9 a.m the very next day so his child had been, any time yeah his child had only been passed away for hours at this point and he called the insurance company to inquire about you know collecting the policy that he had taken out on timothy so that just makes him up. much more suspicious. Mm -hmm. Ronald was also found to have visited a chemical supply store in Houston where he tried to actually buy the cyanide shortly before Halloween. However, he had left without purchasing it after finding that the smallest amount of cyanide that he could purchase was five pounds. And I, it's quite expensive too. So and that's a lot. That's five pounds is a lot. The investigation was mounting and the police suspected that Ronald had laced the candy with the poison in order to kill his children for the life insurance policies. And luckily only one child mm -hmm. had passed away. Luckily the, his, the daughter you know, survived. And the other kids that he gave the candy to. Yeah. And the neighbor's there. kid and the kid from church. Like he is so mm. lucky that timothy was the only you know, casualty dad. in it yeah mm -hmm. sad to say that you have yeah, to say like, it like that but it, it could have been no much worse five children and it should have been none mm. don't take your bad decisions out on your children right they had nothing to do with it they're mm -hmm. innocent in the situation yeah. you're the one who got yourself in that kind of debt mm -hmm. despite being repeatedly questioned Ronald still maintained his innocence throughout the whole entire time frame. So Ronald was actually apprehended on November 5th of 1974. So just days after. Yeah, five days later. That was quick. Mm -hmm. so, and he was indicted on one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. So the capital murder for Timothy and the, the attempted murder for the other four children he had given the pixie sticks to. And he actually had no previous criminal record other than a parking ticket at this point so you go from a parking ticket to murder, to murder. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he pled not guilty claiming that an untraceable suspicious person the hairy arm was the <laughs> one who poisoned the children and actually his family friends and even his co-workers actually testified against him that's messed up so clearly you know it's probably from all his 
actions that he had been mm-hmm. doing after, you know, the death of his son that led them to, you know, feel like mm, he probably, you mm-hmm. know, did it. Mm-hmm. All, all evidence, all signs, I should mm-hmm. say, are pointing to him at this point. And during this time, the press actually dubbed Ronald the Candyman. And he's also been called the man who killed Halloween as well. And I believe that town actually didn't have Halloween for, you know, years after mm-hmm. this happened. Deer Park kind of just stopped celebrating just out of fear yeah. that a similar case could, you know, happen or, you know, copycat. like a copycat, mm-hmm. something like that. And police actually never, you know, figured out where or even when he had purchased the cyanide. So they don't know where he even Mm-mm. got it from. Ronald's trial began on May 5th, 1975 in Houston, Texas. During the trial, a chemist that was acquainted with Ronald actually testified that Ronald contacted him about cyanide in the summer of 1973. So this was, you know, a year and a half before. mm-hmm. beforehand. So he's been making this decision for a while. Yeah, so he's probably thinking about it and mm-hmm. finally That's decided why he's to lining up buying the insurance it. policies mm-hmm. a chemical supply salesman also testified that ronald had asked him on how to actually go about purchasing cyanide so there goes another strike against him mm-hmm. and he's still trying to claim that he's innocent innocent mm-hmm. and you know the evidence is melting up yes stacked well <laughs> against him yep. at this point yep now, also, friends and co-workers testified that Ronald actually shared an unusual interest in cyanide just months before his son's death. Mm-hmm. So he even spoke of how much it would take to actually kill a person. I mean, how much more do you have to... Yeah, you, you're talking about how much cyanide it takes to kill a person, and then suddenly your son's dead you're because of yourself cyanide bad. poisoning. Mm-hmm. That's just... Just mounting up the evidence on yourself. You're mm-hmm. just shooting yourself in the foot at this point. So Ronald's brother and sister-in-law actually testified that on during Timothy's funeral that they actually heard him talking about using the insurance policy to take a long vacation as well as other purchases he was planning to make after collecting the insurance money. And his wife actually rejected the claim that Timothy chose the pixie stick on his own, and she said that Ronald, you know, pressured him into it, forced, basically forced him into choosing the pixie stick as the candy he would eat that night. Mm. So, which I wonder why he, you know, kind of pushed Timothy to eat this, but he didn't. I With know. the daughter, Without- I would have thought, like... He had done both of them because yeah, he needed he, the money. Yeah, he was taking these steps to kill both children and then he just killed one and luckily the daughter you know survived but i'm surprised that he didn't um, try pressuring the daughter and maybe, maybe he was gonna do the son first and then the daughter next and he or maybe the out wife, after the son started vomiting immediately and yeah maybe he thought it would take longer and yeah didn't or maybe realize. the wife was with the daughter and ronald's wife also maintained that she was unaware of the insurance policies that Ronald had taken out on the children as well. 
Throughout the trial, Ronald maintained his innocence. He kept on saying that he was innocent. It wasn't him. He had nothing to do with it. Despite all the mounted evidence that has piled up against him, his defense mainly drew on decade-old legend claiming that there was a mad poisoner who was handing out candy that was laced with poison, needles, razors, um, different things like that. So he was using that as his defense to mm -hmm. get himself out of it. These stories actually persist even today, despite the fact that there is no documentation indicating that any other child has died due to any of the um, poisoning of Halloween candies. Now, there is documentation of people that have tried to poison people, put razor blades in stuff and, you know, needles and different things like that. However, there's no documentation that they have actually died from it. Mm -hmm. So this was the only death documented documented that. from something similar to the you know urban legend that mm -hmm. most people at least in the united states are familiar with about you know candy poisoning or razor blades in your candy on halloween so it's very common mm -hmm. urban legend but it's actually not as significant as society makes it seem yeah and i i actually had read about back a long time ago, 1700s, 1800s, that they used to make candy and then eventually, you know, every little town would make their own little candy in their candy shops. And then eventually the stuff started becoming automated as, you know, populations grew. So yeah. big companies would start making candies. And with the formulas changing and stuff like that, that people would end up getting sick from it. And they blamed it on being poisoning. So that's kind of, I think, where a lot of it stems from, too, mm -hmm. is, lot, you know, most of the candy that you are given or have eaten is around Halloween because people pass it out. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at that point, they went from eating, you know, homemade stuff to eating things that have been processed in factories and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having different chemicals that are supposed to make the, you know, candy last longer because it takes longer to get to you at that point um is gonna make you sick if your body's not used yeah. to these you know specific ingredients especially if you're someone who's sensitive to that or something along mm -hmm. those lines mm -hmm. so the case and subsequent trial actually garnered national attention and at one point ronald actually offered the prosecutor a tootsie roll and on June 3rd of 1975, it only took 46 minutes of jury deliberation for Ronald to be found guilty of one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. And only 71 minutes later, the decision was made to execute him by electric chair. And actually, shortly after he was convicted, his wife filed for divorce, and she actually ended up remarrying four years later, and her new husband adopted um, her and Ronald's daughter, Elizabeth. I do not blame her one bit. Mm -mm. Good for oh, her. Mm -hmm. Ronald was imprisoned in the Texas State Penitentiary at Huntsville. There, he was actually shunned by other death row inmates as he had murdered a child, especially his son. They frowned upon that. I mean, that's... Yeah, crimes of children tend to be, I guess, lowest on the totally. criminal hierarchy, I guess yeah. you could call it. So, like, if you, you know, commit a crime against a child, you're, like, the scum of the scum. So you're, you're labeled, just... you're labeled as 
other prisoners don't tend to like people who commit crimes against children. That's kind of like um, crossing the unspoken line, I guess, Mm -hmm. of being a criminal. For nearly a decade after Ronald was given the guilty verdict, he actually appealed his case several times, including twice to the Supreme Court. However, he was turned down every time that he tried to appeal. On March 31st of 1984, Ronald was put to death at the age of 39, and he did claim that he was innocent until his death. The U.S. Supreme Court, like prior to um, Ronald's execution, actually ruled that the electric chair was considered cruel and unusual. So they actually executed him by lethal injection instead. And there are actually reports that he was the first person to be lethally injected in Texas. And when he was executed, there was actually a crowd of around 300 people that, you know, had gathered outside of the penitentiary. And when they announced that he had, you know, died, they actually yelled trick or treat and threw candy at the people who opposed the death penalty just in you know anti-death penalty protesters that were there as well that had been a weird a weird moment yes very mm-hmm. very strange mm-hmm. today it is common to check the halloween candy still as of this infamous case that it's feared that the candy would be poisoned and it's you know been in existence you know forever for a long time and it's not a bad idea to mm-hmm. you know check it just in case because just because it's not something that commonly happens doesn't mean it can't happen and there has been you know attempts before and luckily they have been unsuccessful mm-hmm. you know other than timothy's death but it's still a good idea to yeah i always thought it was so fun just it. dumping up candy and just seeing mm-hmm. what you got you know yes and then and you had to, off. <laughs> yeah, you had to section it out the good stuff from the trade stuff, and then you got to trade it with other kids who, yeah, with your siblings first, and then other kids, friends and stuff, friends, cousins, whoever. You know, you got to trade all the candies because everybody, you know, likes different things. So, yep, that was always fun, like Pokemon cards. <laughs> I'm a '90s kid, okay. For anyone that will be going trick or treating this year, we do want to give you a few safety tips, just so you are aware. So the first one is don't go alone. And that's just a safety tip in general for a lot of things where you're going to be traveling outside in the dark. Make sure you have either reflective clothing or some sort of a flashlight or a cell phone that has a flashlight on it. Some type of light source. Yeah, something mm-hmm. that can can indicate that, you know, there's a person there. So cars driving on the road can actually mm-hmm. see you especially if you're you know it's getting dark when you're out mm-hmm. sometimes especially the younger kids tend to be home before people don't think also the people that are answering the doors mm-hmm. you have to be careful and be safe because you never know what's out there mm-hmm. somebody's coming to the door and something can happen to you too mm-hmm. especially if you're you know home alone on halloween and you never know who's under those costumes and mm-hmm. Especially, you know, in years past, there's been, you know, people who dress up in like creepy clown costumes and 
Well, like that Do weird scream shit. one or whatever it was called. Remember the, the scream, one? the mask? Oh, ghost face. Is that what that's called? That's, yeah, that's from the scream. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no that's what name. it's called, ghost face. Yeah, especially like that. That creeps me out. So, and then, of course, check the candy. Don't go to, you know, a house with the lights off because they're probably not participating in Halloween and you never know who lives in that house. It could be, you know, I've heard of creepy Halloween stories where people have gone to not even just Halloween, just in general houses like (laughs) pizza delivery and things going to a house with like creepy houses with the lights off and they just end up in bad situations. Yeah, and then there's some of those houses that, like, turn their house into, like, a haunted house and have the kids come through the house and stuff like that. I mean, it sounds cool in theory, but Probably don't go in a stranger's house. Yeah. Ironically, Halloween is a holiday where you, after being told from years upon years of your life not to talk to strangers, you go to a stranger's house and ask them for candy. And accept it and eat it. Yeah, and then you eat it. Just use caution when you're going out trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything can turn into a bad situation. And you don't mm-hmm. want to think that way, but it can. I mean, it's... And not just with Halloween, with anything. Any you should mm-hmm. go into a situation where you're going to be dealing with strangers. You should always be cautious in general. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to be out on the streets walking late at night or anytime when it's even just getting a little dark and it's harder for cars to see you, you should... You know, always keep some type of light on. Just be very cautious. That's all we say. Because anything could happen at any time. But make sure you go out and enjoy yourself. Yeah. It's a fun holiday. Mm-hmm. And I love all the decorations people do. Yeah, and you get, a, you know, get a dress up. And just a nice that was day have fun. The that was always the funnest. The mm-hmm. best part of it was dressing up. To have fun, celebrate, and eat candy. Thank you for listening to Crime Night. You can find our sources listed on our website in the podcast description. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube under Crime Night Podcast. Please join us every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. Happy Happy Halloween. Halloween!